building a company from nothing is freaking hard. Us entrepreneurs are expected to deal with unimaginable challenges and somehow keep a cool head through it all. This is The Art of Entrepreneurship, and I'm your host, Jackie Hermes. I grew my company, Excelity, from zero to seven figures with no partners and no funding. The Art of Entrepreneurship is a show where we cut through the BS and dig into what it actually takes to start and grow a company. If you give me your time, I promise it won't be wasted. Now let's get to work. Hello and welcome to The Art of Entrepreneurship. Thank you for being with us today. I am really excited about this guest, mostly because he is a good friend of mine and he just has so much information and so much knowledge to share. Marcus Murphy, I actually met him when he um, brought me in to speak with Digital Marketer a few years ago. Been to many a conference together. He's helped me with lots of great connections and we really act as each other's sounding board on uncertain things, which you'll hear about in the podcast. Marcus is so dang qualified to speak on today's topic because he has made every leap. He's evaluated tons of new business ideas. Even in the last few years, he left Digital Marketer, which leaving a good job is is really difficult, and we'll get into that today. And he started his own business and has evaluated a number of other business ideas. And on the handling change topic, he even moved from the U.S. to London with his wife and their two beautiful little girls a few years ago. So we're going to get into all of it. If you are evaluating a big change or wondering whether you should make the leap, this podcast is for you. Marcus, it's so good to see you. As always, I'm really pumped about this topic because your literal life changes all the time. Over the last five years, I feel like you've moved six times. You've started five companies and you left a job where, I mean, you really have like a great launching pad, lots of connections. And that had to be a huge decision to leave and start a new company. Talk to me about what you've been up to in the last five years. (laughs) It's like, excuse me, uh, can you just dump five years of life in this two minutes? Uh, yeah, yeah I, I did. I left a dream job, which is kind of an interesting thing because a lot of people were like, what, what are you doing? You're like ruining, you're making a lot of money. You're super connected. You're completely put out. Like that platform was massive and everybody, yeah, like everybody kind of got to see me at the front of it. Right. And I, I became a personality in the brand. I think the biggest thing for me was that I knew there was a moment where it's like you, you have to, I knew everything I wanted. I just was so afraid to go get it. And so somebody told me one time, I had a mentor who was just like, hey, everything that's great is on the other side of fear. And I was like, dang, that's too real for me. I don't want to hear that. Uh, but I remember sitting there also thinking, you know, at some point you outgrow, you outgrow something and it's nothing against like where I was. It's just that I knew at some point there in a painful way that I was kind of just holding on like for dear life, like white knuckling because I was afraid of what was on the other side of jumping off that cliff. And I think at some point, if you talk to any entrepreneur, it's like at some point they had to make that decision, right? So that was just my moment, you know? Seriously, so hard to make decisions like that when things are good, you know? Like, it's really easy to be like, eh, I don't like this job. This sucks. I'm going to go start a company, right? And and it's really hard to be like, wow, this job is really good, but I think my life could be better. People would literally kill to... It was so funny. So I worked at Digital Market for people who listen on here. And the guy who started that company's name is Ryan Dice and, and Richard Linder. These two guys 
people just pay them money to be around them. Like I traveled indefinitely with them. I built brands with them. I spent endless hours with them and just that proximity. So people would just pay so much and they were paying me to just be there and do that and spread the word and like run the teams and stuff. So I felt like, yeah, it was a really ridiculous opportunity. And I think my younger self would have been like, that's the aspiration. I hope I get to that level someday where I'm an executive at a company, a multi-million dollar global company, and that I can build a personal brand on the side, speak, do things I love. But I just, like you said, there's a teetering moment of being like, okay, but like, what do you, what do you want? The only reason why it was scary is I never had spent much time in the future. I never like really spent time going, what I want my life to look like. And can this vehicle get me there? And at some point the disconnect was, no, I, I could not be an employee of a company and get to where I wanted to go in life. So I knew that there was another chapter that I had to just figure out. Mm -hmm. Dude, the first time Ryan messaged me on LinkedIn before I came to speak with you guys in like 2018, 19, I was like, guess who messaged me on LinkedIn? Like, how did he even find me? And then the first time I met him, I was like, can we take a picture? So yeah. <laughs> I mean, that is, it's very aspirational to work alongside these people. And I think it's really cool that you were able to make the decision to follow your dreams. Yeah. It was insane at the time. It makes sense now. Yeah. Yeah. When it comes to making big decisions, talk to me about your thought process. Like, I imagine that quitting your job and moving to London was no small conversation with your wife a few mm. years ago, or maybe it was. I don't know. Tell me about it. I, I would say there's two things at some point my wife is the best like any any person like if you have a, a partner a wife husband etc those people become a sounding board right and i think that gina knew that i was supposed to go away before i wanted to go and so a lot of times it was just like i think she was ex exhausted by the end of it being like okay good you did it good grab like let's move on <laughs> yeah um but i'd say that when i make those kinds of big decisions there's really a couple of things in my process like one is many years ago I started to talk about the importance of having this vision or like a result that you really want, like a big one. And for a while, it got me to where I was at Digital Marketer. And that vision was like, oh my gosh, I am a person who is responsible for a really amazing company. That's why I was always thinking it was very career oriented. And it was like, how do I get to the upper echelon of being a leader, building businesses, et cetera. And then, then I wanted to be, I've always had like this aspiration of being important. <laughs> that sounds so stupid, but it's like, seriously, it's a disease. To, that. No, it is. It's a disease to be like, oh, I'm going to go on stage in front of 10,000 people. Why? What do you, what, why, what person sitting around going like, I want that. Me, I want that. Give me the microphone. That's something that's always oh, my agenda. Yeah. Of course, but that was in mind. So I hit those milestones and I had a vision for those milestones. So everything in between me getting to that moment in my life was very easy to make a decision because some, I, the crazy part is the most successful people that I've ever surrounded myself with, let me say this really slow. The most successful people say no to great opportunities. So the measurement is really interesting because I'm talking about not, not just like, oh, that's a bad opportunity. I don't want to take it. And you know, when you hear all these successful people be like, I say no so many times. They're not saying no to like shitty opportunities. They're saying no to like stuff that's like, there's so much money in this and it's crazy. They're just like, no, I'm good. Thank you. Because they know where they're going. It's not the right opportunity. It doesn't fit into or add anything to or expedite their process to get where they want to go. And the more I got ingrained in my mind where I'm going, it's a lot easier to be able to make those decisions because opportunities come all the time. And it, it's crazy because at one point it's like, bring it on, rein it in. I'll take every opportunity. 
It's just that two years down the road on a great opportunity, you can be like, holy shit, how did I get here? <laughs> like, this isn't right. And it, it isn't right. It's because you didn't take the time to slow down to speed up. You didn't take the time to stop and go, here's exactly what I want and what vehicle is going to get me there. And every decision that comes my way is, is this getting me one step closer to that or one step further away in another direction that's not helpful? And then it's easier for me to go, hey, that's a really great opportunity, but unfortunately, it's not for me. Yeah, absolutely. The bad opportunities probably don't even get responses at that point. I don't. I hope, I hope not. I hope not. I'm not sitting there going like, "Oh, so you want me to fly there and speak for free?" Okay, yeah, yeah. Sign me up. <laughs> no, yeah. That actually leads right into my next question: Is how do you know what a good opportunity looks like? I remember when you left Digital Marketer and you were starting your company, and then you were evaluating a number of other opportunities, and you were like. I got ideas over here and I have this opportunity over here. And it seems like it was all, you know, just like the timeliness of it. It was all pouring in. Yeah. How do you know what good looks like? Oh, gosh, that's such a good question. Why You should have a podcast. Um, mm -hmm. So what was really interesting is I did not trust myself to make those decisions. So what I want to say is the best thing that I did was to reach out to my friends, people that I've, my small circle of like, trusted, I don't know how to explain this, like safe harbors is what I call these people. You're one of those, right? Like they're people that I can go to them and be like, let me just like say all this stuff. And then you guys kind of like, let me like, yeah, let me just throw up all this stuff and then tell me what the biggest thing that I realized early on is I was distracted. Like the most successful people just, they pick one thing and they are committed to that thing. So I've had a mentor. I don't know if anybody on this podcast or listening has a mentor. I highly suggest it, but it's not like, oh, this person's my mentor. Sometimes I call them. I'm talking like this person is actively helping you get where you're trying to go. So I have had a mentor for the last few years and it's such a trump card. Like it is the most unbelievable experience I've ever had. And anyway, him and his wife, they built a company. They poured everything into it. They just sold it for a hundred and something million, like way north of a hundred million dollars, right? And they're so successful and so amazing and they, they're generous and they have all this different, really great characteristics about it. But the piece of advice he gave me is like, hey, there's a lot of things out there that you could do and you're a very talented person. But if you just focus on building one thing and you just really dive into what that looks like because you know that's the thing that's going to get you where you want to go, that journey is a lot better than trying to sit around and go, how can I put these 10 things together to get where I want to go? Right. He's like, how much better is it to like take all your mental fortitude on one thing instead of saying, oh, well, these fractional things are going to get me there. It's like that it's exhausting to spend those plates. And here's the other crazy part. As I've been building my own business, I've had more offers to come into other people's dreams and realities. And I've had to turn down other dream jobs. Like people have been like, hey, you know what? You can bring your company in, incubate it. We just want you to be our CRO and want you to be a part of this leadership team. And you can incubate that. I mean, I, I had to sit there and think about it. There's a lot of money on the table. I wouldn't have to go fundraise as much as I thought I was going to do, like in terms of actually raising capital. There was a lot of things. I'm like, oh my gosh, is this a thing going to help me get there closer? And as I started to get into their business, I realized I'm like, oh my gosh, I would never have time to build my thing. There's so many interpersonal. I forgot, what, by the way, Jack, I forgot what it was like to work with other people. <laughs> yeah, like, like I'm going to now be inserted into your issues and your interpersonal culture. I can't. Like, I can't change people's culture. Like, I can't be that person. So I'd rather just build one myself and then also think about, be very intentional about the people I hire. But I, I anyway, there it doesn't stop those opportunities and trying to figure out, like, where do I put my attention? The only thing I can tell everybody is once you find that one thing, 
though truly like you narrow it down to be like, this thing is really going to get me there. It's a moment where you have to commit and go all in. Yeah, absolutely. And I think there are a lot of the more you focus on one thing, I find the more other opportunities are like, hey, yeah, you know, like, it's like having it's like having a boyfriend or girlfriend. And then all of a sudden, like, I, I, you couldn't even get a date before. And now all these people are like, oh, or you got married like, oh, this. Oh, yeah, he must uh-huh. be a really great guy. I'm like, no, that is exactly it's like, oh, man, how do I? <laughs> uh huh. Seriously, that is exactly it. You have so many freaking connections and you've connected me to a lot of people. So not only do you have connections, but you're a great connector. Mm. I know that having those valuable connections is like fuel on the fire. It can turn into mentor relationships, coaching relationships, business deals, and other opportunities. How did you go about gaining all of the connections that you have? And what's your advice to someone who's just getting started? So I'm going to give you a two-parter, but I'm going to tell a story on the second part. So the first part is... I have always looked at myself as a conduit, right? Like as somebody who's more of a catalyst. So I've always thought like, okay, one, building a network is actually like trying to look out there and see people that you do want to be connected with. In fact, that shouldn't be a lot of people. You should actually then think about like, well, what ways am I serving and helping them? Like what ways can I start to figure out ways to understand their themes and like where they're going? It's actually the best thing I ever learned in sales, by the way, was that if I'm going to reach out to a prospect who is unaware of me and doesn't care about me, by the way, no one does. Just so we're really clear, no one cares they really about you. <laughs> they care about themselves. They, and if we understand the dynamic there, we would be the best network builders on the planet. If we understand that no one gives a shit about you until they have to, until it's important. So you should be really going to talk about the one thing they love talking about the most, which is themselves, what they're doing. And in, in, in that research, of understanding what their themes are. That's what I call it. It's like, what are their five themes? Like, what do they really care about? Go both business and personal. Like a lot of people put everything out there on the internet. (laughs) So good or bad, but they put it out there and I can quickly be able to go, Hey, here are the people you are really, here's your inner circle. So I know these people are really kind of like you. So I kind of get your personality and why you would surround yourself with your inner circle. Then I would go and be like, what are you sharing? What are you posting? What are you liking? I can figure all of those little things out. So I have a really good idea of who you are before I ever reach out to make a connection point. And I know what you care about. So if I know those things and I'm armed with that, then I can go, okay, what's the best way to help this person with those things that they care about? And then all of a sudden you become valuable in that outreach. And so it's never about you and saying, Hey, I just wanted to meet you because I, it's like, no, take I out of all of that. And figure out like, hey, I'm reaching out to you because this is really great that you did. In fact, have you ever thought about this? Or like, I know this other person that would really help with that. Is that something that you're interested in? Because all of a sudden now it becomes like, oh, well, that's refreshing because I can't remember the last time someone just reached out to me and said, hey, I have this resource for you. It's like, who the hell just did that? Oh, that's Marcus. Oh, he must be somebody different. And then all these great relationships I've had have kind of spurred from that. The second part of this question is the one that I really think is fun is also... If you know where you're going and imagine this, imagine if you were armed with and you knew exactly what your needs were. And the reason why I say this is like a bunch of years ago, I used to live in San Francisco and I would take a drive to Phoenix, casual, casual six and a half hour. But I would do that drive from San Francisco to LA and you'd have to go around Pasadena. But that drive between San Francisco and LA is like farmland and it sucks and there's nothing there. But there is one Starbucks kind of right near Bakersfield exit off of the five. It's like nothing, there's nothing there. So I'm driving down. I stop at my Starbucks stop, right? And I get out and I go in. In this point, I was nobody doing nothing. I was working at Yelp. I barely had any money. Like it was not, I'm not exactly who I am now, but 
I also didn't know where I wanted to go or what I was trying to do. So one of the things that was very interesting, I see this little guy and he's got a hat and he's got like a trucker hat and he's got like aviator glass on, looks super cool. And he's got like a supermodel with him. And I'm like, who the fuck is this guy? <laughs> and then I turn around and he takes off his glasses and I'm like, oh, it's Rob Deerdick. And I'm like, that is incredible. Do you know who Rob Deerdick is, by the way? Yeah, oh, yeah, all that stuff, right? So he's cool. And he came from Cincinnati, Ohio, right near where I grew up. So I walk over, being the connector I am, and I say something that probably he wouldn't get, which is usually people come to want, want to take a picture, or they want to get an autograph. And I just said, hey, between you and me, we're probably the coolest things that ever came out of Ohio. And he started laughing so hard. And he goes, oh, man, thanks so much. That's so funny. And then I did this. You guys want to know, take a masterclass in like how to connect and how to serve people. So I have no money. Right. Like I've got like a beginner training wheels, capital one card. Right. Like, you know what I mean? Like the ones is like oh, it's white and it has a limit and it's not great. It was like a thousand dollars. Yeah, exactly. And I'm like, okay, cool. So he's up there. He's getting all of his stuff. He's grabbing all this stuff. I go to the barista and I'm like, um, can you please get his and whoever like his, these people behind me, I'd like to pay for them. Right. So I pay for my coffee. I pay for his, and as I'm waiting, he's waiting for my coffee. He's coming up, and he pulls out his black MX card. And he's trying to pay for his stuff, and then she goes, "No, no, sir, this gentleman took care of that for you." And he looked over at me, and he was like, "No, like I knew I should have bought your stuff, whatever." They sat down with me for two hours, wow. and just talked to me. We talked about it's funny because we sat down, and he's like, "We're part from Ohio, free from the." It's like, "Okay, great." We start talking about his family. We start talking about like goals he has, and what he's doing in his life, and we're just having this really great conversation. And at the very end, this is the moment where I hope everybody learns because it's such a hard mistake. I kick myself even now, like ten years later. I just literally think about it all the time, and I've, met, I've talked to Rob about it. Like, I I know this is such a silly thing. Rob stopped the conversation. He's like, "Dude, you're so different. Like, who are you?" I'm like, "Who am I? Like, I'm just a guy trying to whatever." And the second thing I said to him was, or thing he said to me that threw me off, he goes, what can I do for you? Like, how can I help you? And I was like, what do you think I said, Jackie? What do you think? I'm I the worst. I'm always like, oh, you know, nothing. Yeah. And I want to be cool in that moment, right? Because I'm around a celebrity. I don't want to think I need anything. But we should all have an answer. Imagine if we knew where we were going and what we were doing and we were confident in that and we were living in that. I literally played it cool. I was like, no, man, I just want to hang out, whatever. And then we like left and I got my little BMW, old BMW with my coffee and waved to him like we were neighbors and he gets in his Bugatti and we just like, you know, we just, we left. And imagine if I knew where I was going and what I wanted to do. And I knew that like, and I had a good idea of like what, what to do with connections when they come my way. I could have answered that question and that haunts me. It's like, what can I do for you? You should be able to pull out a freaking notepad and go, I'm so happy you asked because this is the, this is the, cause I, and, and I've said that to him too. And it's like, just blows my mind that how ridiculous that whole situation was, but it does answer that question to be like, networking is about other people and not you. And building a strong one is like connecting them with resources to help them get where they're going. And then the second part is, is like being really prepared and confident in where you're going will help you to accept opportunities, even when they're that blatant and blunt, where it's like, hey, what can I do for you? I'm clearly in a position to change your life, by the way. What can I do? And it's not a, well, I'll get back to you. It's like, no, you know, you know, right? And those moments do come around anyway. I'm done. But that that story still to this day, man, I just sit there and go, why did I say that? I love that. I still say that. So now I'm like, hmm, I do have a lot of things that I want. You just have to be comfortable asking for them. And I'm thinking you must have gotten his phone number if you talk to him about it. So I have. It's so funny that you said that. I have a lot of really interesting phone numbers in my phone. <laughs> and I have also. What does that mean? <laughs> well, 
there's a lot of, yeah, like a lot of famous people and people that other people would want their number. And so for me, what I've realized also as a good networker and connector is like, I don't call him or text him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the only reason why I would ever do that is if there was something monumentally important or like there will always be an opportunity to take that shot. I just think people take shots at the wrong time or at the buzzer and usually they result in a miss. So I'm always kind of more calculated in becoming top of mind with someone or running back into somebody and then sending them the text, even though I've had their number for three years, like, you know, so Rob, I have run back into Rob, who's amazing. And Rob will be on our new show that we're launching called The Dig, which is really exciting. And he's also in a whole different part of his life where he's not in DC and running the fun factory. He's like an investor and a really, so it's a whole different long game, but I, so all that came back around, but it doesn't mean what I hope people don't hear is like that that'll happen too. It's just not guaranteed. So in those moments, being equipped and knowing those things, I mean, just what what are you going to say when the right person asks you how they can help? Yeah, preparation is the key for sure. And just having a few answers ready, which, you know, I'm about to go work on that right now. We talked about a lot. You're a great storyteller. If there's one thing, people listening, they're like, oh, these people are crazy. I don't know what I learned from this. Just kidding. <laughs> we're not crazy. We're awesome. If they walk away with one lesson, what's the message? You know, it's funny. I I kind of slotted it in there very casually, but slowing down to speed up is not a very natural thing for people to do. And in fact, I feel like if anybody walks away from this, the actionable thing is to slow down for a second and start to really figure out the life that you want. And I know that sounds super like woo-woo and Tony Robbins and like build a life. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about when you, 10 years from now, when you sit around and you go, I wake up every day and I do this and this is what my life is and this is why I affect this is the impact that I have is actually the better question. And the only way that's ever going to be possible is fill in the blank, right? Because you can do a lot of things with your life. And if you're sitting here even also being like the aspirational entrepreneur, because there's probably people listening right now who are like in a career trying to make the leap into entrepreneurship. And there are people that are like sure. new entrepreneurs that are like, I kind of want to quit, you know, because it's freaking hard. Mm-hmm. Um The reason why 95% of businesses fail just statistically in like the first five years of having a business isn't because people didn't have enough content. Like I've never met an entrepreneur that's got like, I would have made it if I just had more books. It's like, no, not it. (laughs) The two reasons why people fail is because one, they're isolated and alone. So if you get anything out of this podcast, understand that you need people that are around you and supporting this vision that you created and that they're all running in the same direction. And the second part is implement right like the the people who fail truly they're not implementers they don't take what they learn and apply it they're very isolated which makes it feel like the whole world is crashing down on you and no one else can relate and then the final thing is that they just give up they just stop and that's the only real reason failure happens and i think that if you slow down in this moment and really articulate those things and go okay this is where i want to go these are the people I want in my life to help me get there, like a Jackie who I can call and be like, Bleh. and then the second one is, is like, how do I become a ruthless implementer of my knowledge? So I'm taking this dramatic action. You will not fail because you've incubated yourself enough, but you've made a mindset choice that you're like, I'm just not going to stop. Um, so I hope that there's a lot of stuff in this podcast, but that's the one thing. If I was speaking to this avatar you described, like that early transitional entrepreneur, ooh, I wish somebody would have said that to me. 
Yeah, absolutely. I've made a lot of decisions very quickly and some of them panned out and some of them I'm like, man, I wish I would have taken more time. So I have learned that lesson probably in a harder way than I needed to. And I hope that everyone is really taking it to heart and hearing you today. Well, you're still on my speed dial, so I don't care what decisions you brought. <laughs> hey, I learned the lesson. So Right, right. Yes. <laughs> I got there. <laughs> right, 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 right. Thanks, Marcus. You are the shit. It's always good to catch up with you. And for everyone that's listening, if you got value today, enjoyed this conversation with Marcus, you know that the only really way that we grow this podcast is by you sharing and sending to other people who should be listening. So share with one person that you want to hear this conversation and we'll talk to you next time. Thank you. 